0: Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Amandaman Games podcast. This is episode 10 of my weekly gaming podcast where we discuss all things video games related. Tune in every Wednesday for new episodes and to support the show, please subscribe, comment and rate this podcast on your podcast platform of choice. You can email me any questions at amandamangames at gmail.com. That's amandamangames at gmail.com. All the various social media links will also be in the description. So we don't have too many news things happening in the video world. Um, I did kind of look into anything interesting we could talk about. So I have a few ideas for the later half of the show. But I think uh, so we have, we we did have a, a pretty cool next gen reveal that we will we will go into. But I want I want to save that for the middle of the of the news cycle, the news part of the of the show. So we're gonna first jump into. This article that comes from Tech Plus Game from Shibu. Um, So basically, apparently, Sony is refunding Last of Us Part 2 pre-orders digitally and even for Iron Man VR and and stuff like that. I'm assuming they're doing it for anyone if you have pre-ordered physically as well. So the article reads, Sony has already removed the Last of Us Part 2 from the PlayStation Store. The product entry can no longer be called up. Pre-orders are also not possible. Now, the company has stated that all the consumers will automatically receive a refund, who have pre-ordered the game. Sony has now confirmed that the amount, amount for pre-orders from The Last of Us Part II will be refunded. The same applies to Iron Man VR. Sony has made an announcement on its official PlayStation website. The Last of Us Part Two and Iron Man VR have been delayed. All digital pre-orders, uh, pre-order consumers will, uh, consumers will automatically receive a refund. Please check your email for more details. Uh, this is obviously a good call on on Sony's Sony side, but at the same time, it's a little worrying as to why they felt the need to completely remove it from the PlayStation Store because at this point they can. I, I think it's pretty well known that you know the Last of Us Part Two has been delayed, um, at least delayed indefinitely. We don't know how long. So leaving the pre-orders up. I mean, we, there's the games on on the PlayStation Store and on the Xbox store, even even Steam and stuff that ha- doesn't have like a release date, or we don't know if it will be released in, in 2020 itself, you know, so I'm not sure what the reasoning was to completely remove it, if it was to, you know, revamp it in some way, it, it to put maybe a, a bit of a marketing push when they, when the computers go live again. I, I Like, I'm trying to understand like the reasoning behind it, uh, or because the, the, the obviously one of the reasons is you know because it has been delayed but the other reasoning the the thing that I'm hoping it's not um and the thing that problem like kind of worries me is that they see that this game might not come out until later this year and when I mean later this year I mean like October November or like close to PS5 so I I, I think if they're worried about that it is it does make sense that they're they might just fully take it out um, They probably kind of had this internal meeting that if it's being delayed um, after May, we already have Go of Tsushima in June and we're going to talk about that in the later half of the show uh, in terms of what I think will happen with that game as well. But it seems that they might have had a conversation with everyone internally that, okay, we 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 won't be able to push this to June, uh, maybe by July or August, but no, you know what, we don't know everything will be stable by then, we don't know what the world's going to look like at that point. So why don't we just keep pushing it down? And as you keep pushing it down, it gets closer to September. October, September is already a month where Cyberpunk is supposedly coming up. We don't, I mean, that's what they're saying. We don't know, right? We won't know at this point until uh, closer to those to those months. But then, it, you know, at that point, they're like, okay, you know what? Let's push it to October. Then it's kind of like, okay, we're at October now. We might as well just release it alongside the PS5. So that's kind of what I took away from this. I think the fact that they've they fully removed it from the PlayStation Store is basically them saying that, yeah, this game is not going to come out along... Like, uh, like right now, it's going to come along... It's going to come out on PS4, don't get me wrong. So anyone that has a PS4 and doesn't want to buy a PS5, you will still get The Last of Us Part Two But I think now they're using this as a way to have a game that they can release alongside the PS5, which is great in a way because we don't know what their lineup looks like. We don't know um, if they have Horizon 2, on the horizon if we if they have a grand tourism or if they have a rational clan we don't know what games that they were planning already it, it is very possible that those games are either not done because of everything that's happening right now or you know those games are just like you know okay kind of mediocre it's kind of similar to what we saw with PS4 I think PS4 had like kills Shadowfall which is okay it had knack which is not good you know so I think maybe they were like okay like these we have a few exclusive games coming out and and they're just okay. But what if we release Lasso's part two alongside it will give Naughty Dog these extra six months or seven months or whatever to work on it and to work on a PS5 version. So they can up the uh, up the graphics, the textures, the frame rate and all that stuff and they can release like a PS5 version of it. So it's not like the PS4 one, but just kind of boost it a bit. It will be like literally the P- a PS5 version, right? With like a lot of like new bells and whistles and everything like that. So I think that's what I can I see happening at this point, based on on what 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 is happening here, you know. Obviously, it, it it's very possible that they're like, yeah, you know what, we're ready. Uh, we didn't release it in May, but here you go. Uh, even though it's really close to goes to Tsushima, we're releasing it in June. You know, like I like it's very possible. Depends on what the state of the world is. Depends on what the Sony stakeholders and and the in on uh, their. On their executive side, what they think should be done with, in terms of you know making sure that they're gonna be reaching, they're gonna be reaching a lot of people. Uh, so it's very it's very possible that the game will still come out earlier on. But that's kind of what I took from it. I really hope that we do get to see it earlier on because you know I I feel like I was craving Last of Us Part Two. I wanted that single player story, third person action game. You know especially a sequel to one of my favorite games of all time. I was really hoping that we would see that. But you know like this is just unprecedented what's happening in the world so you know it's completely understandable that they want to push it and delay it especially if they aren't able to if they are having logistic issues we, we don't know if they're able to move the right things around to be able to get this in everyone's hands and I have certain opinions about that that I, again I'll talk about it at the end uh, but we'll move on to the next news article so the next one comes from Jonathan Dornbush at IGN Google Stadia is free starting today and when I mean today, I think that was yesterday. Uh, Pro subscription free for two months. So Google has announced that starting today and rolling out over the next 48 hours, Stadia is now free to use in all 14 countries where the game's streaming service is supported. So long as users have a Gmail account. New users can sign up at Stadia's website with their Gmail account with the with access at the free tier, allowing players to purchase games and stream them with up to 1080p, 60fps with tiers surround sound. Players who sign up today during this new free rollout, however, will also receive two free months to Stadia, Stadia Pro's subscription tier level with the option to either continue at 9.99 USD per month or up, opt out. And anyone already subscribed to Stadia Pro will simply not be charged for the next two months of the service. So this is of course Google taking advantage of you know, just getting in front of everyone. They know everyone is at home right now. Everyone's under lockdown. in Most countries, people are in lockdown right now. So they're kind of using this as a way to promote their service, to get it in more people's hands. Um, I, was, I was contemplating checking it out, but at the same time, I'm like, but why? Like all the games that they have on that service, especially on the pro side, I've either already played or have no interest in. Uh, on the free free side, they expect me to buy the game for full price, not like, you know, for a, in Canada, like a game is seventy nine ninety nine, and then it's after taxes ninety dollars. So you're telling me that I'm gonna spend ninety dollars on Google Stadia for on on the free side, and I can play this game for ten eighty p at ten eighty p sixty fps, and I have a gaming PC, I have a PS four, I have a Xbox One X, and I wouldn't buy a game uh, buy those games there to be able to play it at full four K. You know, surround sound, I have my Sonos and everything set up. You know, like, I just, it's just such a bad sell. I think, I still think it's such a bad sell. For anyone that's playing or using Google Stadia and you're enjoying it, let me know. Like, message me because I really do want to know what the appeal is. I like, like the idea from a technology aspect that you can play this on the go. You can play it anywhere and it's really, really cool that way. But other than that, I honestly do not see why anyone, especially who's a gamer, who's already involved in this gaming ecosystem, why anyone would want to uh, get into this platform. It just makes no sense. If you're already the gaming, in, in the gaming ecosystem, you already have a console, you already play games on your phone, you already play games on your PC, you already play games on your Switch. So I just don't see why anyone would be like, yeah, no, I, I totally need this. My, my, my sister, she has a Nintendo Switch, but she doesn't have a PS4 or an Xbox or anything like that. So there's a lot of games that she could definitely play through Google Stadia. But, like, looking at it, it relies on your internet. It relies on you having either a subscription service for 4K and everything like that. And from what we've seen uh, when they do, like, the technical analysis and everything like that, games do not run at 4K. Games do not run at the high texture ratings or whatever, high texture settings and everything that they promised us. They don't run like that. So it's kind of like, you know, it's, 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 they did a very bad job of marketing it because it does seem like they did lie to people. Um, And again, like anyone who has played it and who has used it, let me know. Let me know if you do play games in 4K, if, if it is worth it that way. But yeah, like I just don't see if you can't convince someone who, you know, isn't fully invested in that ecosystem, you know, who might play games here and there and you're telling them to pay a monthly fee to pay another huge fee to buy a game that is in the cloud and it's not like you can pay, play it natively. You have to play it, you know, digitally. I know that Steam and all these stuff have, like, the DRM thing. But there are, like, you know, they have, like, offline components where you can kind of, like, play offline. Uh, and even, like, you know, you have stuff like GOG and stuff like that. So, at least PC has that option. And even uh, a PS4 and Xbox One, you know, if you buy a game, disc uh, disc version, or, or even if you download it digitally, you can still play it offline. Like, with Google, there's, like, no... You know, there's no, nothing that states that, yeah, we're going to be able to, you're going to be able to play this game offline. So I, again, like I feel like I've talked about this so many times, so I'll, I will, I will move on. But yeah, please let me know. Let me know if anyone is uh, using the service and what you guys think of it. And moving it, into moving it the next thing, this is a, this, this one is a big one. Uh, PlayStation, PlayStation 5, uh, we got some new announcements, but actually there's one announcement. They have revealed their controller. It is called the Sense. Uh, this comes from Adam Bankhurst at IGN. Sony has revealed the Dual Sense, 5s new controller that would bring a sense of touch to PS5 gameplay. So first of all, I, I just want to say I, I like that they changed the name. Um I am I think the dual thing was you know it was it was from the PS1 days, I think, and this kind of kept adding to it. DualShock 1, DualShock 2, you know, DualShock 3 and like and dual shock 4, like what we had with PS4. I think now they realize that they need to innovate a little bit, right? Because after the whole specs breakdown that we saw, we know that Xbox Series X is a little better uh, in terms of raw power and everything like that. So they probably want to come out and say, yeah, look, Xbox is, like has more power. Xbox has, uh, you know, controller and everything. It's more refined and everything like that. But this is kind of what we're doing. We want to innovate kind of what they talked about, the whole Tempest engine thing. And now this. But of course, we won't know, you know, what this truly holds until later on. Uh, but let me continue. Announced on PlayStation blog, the DualSense will keep much of what gamers loved about DualShock 4 intact, while also adding new functionality and refining the design. Touch was a uh, what touch was a big inspiration when designing the DualSense, and haptic feedback is one of the ways this new controller will help bring PS5 games to life. Sony mentions that this feedback will add a variety of powerful sensations you'll feel when you play such as the slow girdiness of driving a car through mud. Adaptive triggers have also been incorporated to the L2 and R2 buttons, which will help players feel the tension of your actions, like when drawing a bow to shoot an arrow. Horizon 2, you know, is that a rumor? Is that a a a confirmation? Uh, Fitting these new features into a brand new controller was a challenge for the design team, and they they worked closely with the PlayStation hardware engineers to make the controller somehow feel smaller than it would end up being. The angle of the hand triggers were changed and some subtle updates were made to the grip. They also have thoughtful consideration into how to keep a strong battery life for DualSense. This battery life thing was a big issue in, in all of the controllers. I mean even now I have like I can barely play a game for like longer than like two hours or so on my PlayStation and they wanted to ensure the weight of the controller did not get out of hand. One thing that will be missing From the DualSense is a share button, but a button that was featured on the DualShock 4. Sharing from the controller is not gone, but that previous button was replaced by the new create button. Sony promises more details will be revealed on this change as we get closer to PlayStation 5's launch. DualSense will also have a built-in microphone array that will allow players to easily chat with friends, even for those who don't own a headset. That's pretty cool. I like that one. Um, As for the controls colors, it's a bit of a non-traditional design as far as PlayStation is concerned. Usually, the position controllers have a single color, but the DualSense has a two-tone design to make it stand apart. Additionally, the position of the light bar, which uh, will be returning, was moved to give it an extra pop. Now, the light bar sits on either side of the touchpad as opposed to the top of the controller. So there's a lot to break down. Uh, The haptic feedback thing, I think they kind of talked about this before, and I'm already very on board on this because, you know, I have an iPhone X, and and I think most newer smartphones have haptic feedback, so you kind of already know... The type of vibrations you can get from that, for anyone that has a Nintendo Switch and has played games like One Two Switch, I know they don't really fully take advantage of that, of of that feature uh, in on in those in those Joy Cons, which is one of the reasons why it's so expensive. Um, I think if they did, re- there would be so many cool things they could do with it. But you know, like when you play that Marvel game in One Two Switch with the with the Joy Con, it, it is actually quite cool. It is you know especially when you're supposed to count how many marbles in there and like you know the first time you think about it you're like oh my god this is just gonna be stupid it's gonna be like a guessing game but when you are actually moving it you actually like you know sense marbles going down and up on the controller and like that was that's just amazing right and, and the fact that playstation is going along with it it seems that xbox doesn't have that i'm not sure but it seems that you know the ps5 is like yeah we're gonna put it in our controller it's gonna be all over so you know and 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 even the uh, adapter triggers as well uh, I, I just i just wonder like, I, I'm, I'm so curious as to how they use this. I'm so excited to see how they implement it in games that I'm excited for, like God of War 2, Spider-Man 2, you know, stuff like that. Like, I just want to see what they can do with it. And I think that makes it, that does add overall to the system in terms of its worth. You know, I think we've been going back and forth in terms of raw power. And I've I've always been a strong advocate that Teraflops and all the all stuff should not matter. It's about games and how these games are presented and what we can do with them. And you know, Sony coming out saying that, yeah, like for all these years, you've just had the same controller, you've had the same vibration, you've had these games, like cool. So like, we're going to make those games, we're going to make those games pop and make make them look beautiful. We're going to be using things like SSD and whatnot. But here, look at that. The thing that you play the game with, the thing that you literally, that kind of melts melts into your body as you're playing to like, when you get yourself immersed in the game, we're going we're gonna to take that and take it to a next level so that you feel more things within the game, you feel like you're in the game. You know, I mean, obviously people say that already, but it's like literally the idea, like, you know, when you're going through like a rough patch when you're driving and like the the rumble isn't just like the motor just spinning like crazy, you know, and you're just like, you're just so used to that vibration. Whereas in this case, it will actually feel like you're hitting the dirt or you're hitting concrete and stuff like that, right? I like that idea. Um, I also like that they put in a built-in microphone because so many times, you know, people don't have microphones, even in my case, when I talk to my friends sometimes when I'm playing Destiny 2 I always have to scramble to find my microphone I'm like okay where the hell is it where did I keep it stuff like that you know and I like that they have it built into that that's that's amazing um I think the uh the other cool thing is for me was the with the colors I like the colors idea uh, it's like it has a very it has a very futuristic aesthetic to it um, and like I I like what they can do with the colors overall I think the white and black thing, I'm like, okay, that's fine. And it does look a little chunkier overall. I'm not, obviously I could be wrong, but like just from the photos, right? It does look a little chunkier. I like that they kept everything else the same, but like the colors, I, I in my brain, I keep imagining as to like what they can do with it. You know, there's so many possibilities with those that color scheme. And it also makes me believe that the, the actual console, the PS5 console will be white and black as well. And that's really, really cool. I like that. I like that they finally, experimenting with this you know and not just I know that a lot of people just put these consoles in their entertainment center and it's just you know if it's black or anything like that or anything that meshes within your entertainment center it's perfect but like you know I like things like that I like in my my Nintendo Switch is also the one with the colorful Joy-Cons that the one I bought originally was the red and the blue one right And because I just like having something like that pop out so for me like this is like just really really cool I know people be worried about you know um, dust and And like fingerprints I'm not sure about fingerprints because that will be more for like if you have like a matte finish not a matte right like glossy finish or or whatnot but like just you know like getting dirt on like a white kind of surface and whatnot but I think I think that'll be fine you know like I have a white white, um, xbox one controller and I've had it for over a year and it's fine like I don't think that should be a problem but like I'm pretty excited to see what the controller will look like and this also shows us what PlayStation's or Sony's marketing strategy is they are kind of doing this drip feed. They're not doing big events or relying on big events. They just release a, a PlayStation blog and people people show up. They know how popular their console is. They know they don't need an event, and that to me is that that is just amazing. You know that that they can come out and and do this. And I and I just want to also say you know I always I always take a stance of being in the middle ground because that's why I I like having all the consoles and my uh, PC and everything like that but growing up I was you know full disclosure I was a PlayStation kid I grew up with the PlayStation I mean I had like the Nintendo stuff but I remember PlayStation was like the thing that I always wanted and once I had it I like I fell in love with it I really loved it uh you know on the 360 side obviously around that time I was playing more 360 but I still loved my PS3 so I just wanted like so you know if it does come across you know like me being really excited about about this review is because you know like I, I grew up on PlayStation uh, but again, this does not, and does not in any way mean that PlayStation is better. I've, I've, uh, on, on my podcast, on this, on this show itself, I've, uh, I've said a lot of, you know, negative things about PlayStation in terms of what I think they could do, what they, I think they should improve and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, and I just wanted to kind of disclose that really quickly because I am, I am pretty excited. Um, and with that, I actually wanted to go into something that was something that I love about, about, you know, these console wars, this, everything that's building up right now. Um, and this comes from, this gen gaming from Charles Oakley, and you know there's the cost of war at the beginning, you know um and he just kind of talks about Phil Spencer's interview with Ryan McCaffrey at IGn and basically him saying that the ps five reveal made him feel uh, a lot better about the Xbox series X you know so i just I just love that I don't know I'm just you know and, and for me like again, like i said i'm I, I'm a big playstation fan, you know i'm I, i'm a, I own all my consoles. I love all my consoles, but you know, like in terms of if I had to choose one console that I grew up with is PlayStation, but I love this, man. I love, I love Phil Spencer. I love everything he has done with Xbox. He has improved Xbox so much that Xbox Game Pass is a thing that everyone needs to have. If you have a PC, get Xbox Game Pass. If you have an Xbox, you need to get an Xbox Game Pass. I don't know why you don't have an Xbox Game Pass already. So I just want to, I just want to go back to the article. Um, In a recent interview with IGN's Ryan McCaffrey on episode 437 of Unlocked, Phil Spencer, head of the Xbox division, made a remark on how he felt seeing the PS5 public reveal by Mark Cerny. Particularly, Phil noted how when when we saw the public disclosure, I felt even better about the choices that we made on our platform and I kind of expected that I would. (laughs) I had a lot of confidence in our hardware team. Those are confident words indeed from the Xbox boss. For those unaware, following uh, following the specs reveal of both machines, we now know that the Xbox Series X has a 2 to 3 teraflop advantage over the PS5. So I just I just love this. I just love that, you know, he came out and said that, yeah, like, I mean, you know, our console is the best. They can officially market that they have the most powerful console out there. And I think that's a, that's a big win on Xbox side. That, that's one of the reasons I have an Xbox One X, which is why, if I do play a third-party game, I, I tend to play on my Xbox One, unless I'm playing with friends, of course, because most of my friends have a PS4. But, you know, that's one of the reasons I always I always play games on my Xbox One X because I have a 4K TV, it just looks better and everything like that, you know? So this is definitely a good thing to have as as, as a console owner if you want all the bells and whistles, right? And, you know, that, that will only get you so far. I, I still strongly believe that, uh, Microsoft is going to hit it out of the park when it comes to their uh, their exclusives. They haven't shown too much and a lot of the games that they have shown recently I almost feel rushed almost feel like they all I, I feel like they just mesh into one another. I know there's a new game by Rare that's coming out, there's a new game by Obsidian, but like it's like you know it's, they're, they're going down this the Sea of Thieves route where I know Sea of Thieves is very popular now but they're going down this thing where it's all about like oh multiplayer Oh, build this, build that, you know, survival, stuff like that. Something that they know will give them mo- money like every quarter or whatever. And like for me, I'm just like, yo, like, I I why like why can't you just you oh you made bleeding edge with Ninja 3, right? Ninja 3 just released release bleeding edge, which unfortunately is not doing too well from what I've seen. Uh and you know maybe focus on that, focus on getting that better, getting to that getting it to that point where it can be an esport and it can be very popular, and like let the other teams just work on you know, single player stuff, like work on something interesting, like the, the new, the Hellblade 2, which we know won't be coming up for a while. But, you know, that's kind of the thing that I'm more interested in. And I know Xbox knows this, and they are working on this. But like, I think that's that I'm just waiting for that. Because every time I read stuff, because like I said, I I, I, I read a lot of stuff on both sides, PlayStation and Xbox, you know, a lot of the stuff that I read on the, on the, on the PlayStation side is always about how Xbox doesn't have exclusives. And I look at it, I'm like, man, like, they already have Halo Infinite coming out this year with the with the the developers they have working under them and with the money that Xbox and Microsoft has, like, the sky is the limit. There's going to be a time or, like, a year or two years from now, whenever, where it's going to be, like, what we experienced with um, when God of War, Spider-Man, Detroit Become Human, Days Gone, Horizon Zero Dawn, you know, when... All these games came out within the span of like a year or like two or three years or so. It, it's going to be like that. Just like you just wait. It's going to be a time when um we're going to have like the new Fable game. We're going to have, uh, obviously we're going to have Halo. We're going to have like a new Gears game. We're going to have like, I'm trying to think like of more like maybe a new Forza Horizon game. You know, we're just going to have like a bunch of these cool uh, Microsoft Microsoft games. And I'm just naming games that they have already, you know, that are just sequels. I'm not even talking about newer games like that we we saw on the PlayStation side this generation, right? So I'm so excited that way. Like I, I can I can bet on this. I just wait. I mean, give it a year or so. Uh, maybe next E3 or, or the the year after that. There's gonna be a time when they just announce all this stuff, and it's gonna be like, yeah, it's coming out this December. It's gonna come out next year. It's gonna come out like this, and it's gonna be like a slew of amazing um, Microsoft games that are gonna be coming out all in one go. So I'm I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, moving on from that, and we'll keep in keeping the same tone of, of you know, talking about next gen consoles and whatnot. Uh, this comes from WCCF Tech from Air Newt van Van Veld. Apparently, from a Crytek developer, the PS5 might be better, uh, better than the Xbox Series X. In a new interview, Crytek rendering engineer Ali Salehi talks about the specs of the PS5 and Xbox Series X and developing for the next gen consoles. Speaking to Persian gaming website Vigiato and translated by Twitter user at user Man4Dead, the rendering engineer talked about the power difference between the upcoming consoles from Sony and Microsoft. A lot has been said and written about the specifications of both consoles over the past month. Theoretically, the Xbox Series X clearly has the advantage when it comes to raw computing power. But according to Crytek's rendering engineer, not all is what it seems. If cell A is to be believed. Developing for PS5 is extremely simple, something that PlayStation Lead Architect Mark Cerny has pointed out on various occasions, and reaching the console's peak performance is easier than it is on the Series X. The developers are saying PS5 is the easiest console they have ever coded on to reach its peak performance, he said. Software-wise, coding for PS5 is extremely simple and has the only abilities that make the developers so free. In total, I can say PS5 is a better console. While teraflops are important, reaching peak performance on the Series X will only be achievable under the most ideal and theoretical conditions. If all of the components inside Microsoft console can work together efficiently alongside the GPU, the Series X can hit its peak performance of 12 teraflops. But this just doesn't seem to be possible. Developing for the Series X might be somewhat challenging, Salih explained. One of the the reasons for this is the console software. And another one is its use of two different RAM RAM parts differing in bandwidth. According to Salehi, developers will want to use the higher bandwidth as much as possible, which might cause some issues. The engineer was also asked about the difference in compute units between the PS5 and Xbox Series X. While the PS5's GPU has less compute units than than the Xbox Series X, the Teraflops difference isn't that big. So I wanted to bring this up mainly because... It is coming from a Crytek developer, and Crytek has always been known to be a a, a team, uh, a development team that does push the limits of consoles, of PC games. You know, Crisis has always been that benchmark tool that a lot of a lot of PC builders and just you know uh, people like people who love things like Digital Foundry, Foundry, like you know like whoever uh, who always look toward Crisis to see if if they're. PC is fully, you know, uh, can be fully accepted into the PC master race in a way, you know? So I think, I think in that way, I I will definitely take a Crytek developer's uh, word when it comes to how they interpret certain things. But of course, you know, like I was thinking about this as well, that it is very possible that what if Crytek has a deal with Sony going on right now, right? What if they have an exclusive... PS5 game coming out in the next year or two years or whatnot, you know, and so it's very possible that because they have that exclusivity, of course, the developers will say good things about the PlayStation, right? So for that reason, I, I, you know, I, I think take it with a grain of salt, of course, because like I said, like with these things, especially when it comes to assessing the power of a console, we have to wait until it comes out. We have to wait for Digital Foundry. They do such a great job. They do such, they fully break down everything, you know. The one thing I do want to uh, uh, want to bring to attention is how Salehi how he talks about the uh, the fact that you know even though Xbox Series X is more powerful, it it is very hard to fully use that juice, use that power, and this is something that we did see with the PS Three and the and the Three Sixty. So um, you know, for most people out there, like who have kind of followed that generation and and know the nitty gritty of it, like you not know, PS Three was more powerful, because they had, I think, the cell processor, I forgot what it was, but they had, you know, it was supposed to be more powerful, which was one of the reasons it was more expensive as well, but, you know, when the games came out, all the games looked way better on the 360. They, there was always some issue on the on the PS3, Skyrim being one of the biggest examples, I had Skyrim on my PS3, and I had so many issues. At that point, I just, I just shifted toward, completely towards 360. I'm like, there's no point in buying stuff on on ps3 especially multi-platform stuff just because everything just seems to like get destroyed on that on that console for some reason but you know that is something that people do need to take into consideration that just because there's a lot of power doesn't mean that oh yeah this is that it's obviously going to be better uh, we see that with gpus as well sometimes there will be older gpus or gpus that are theoretically not as powerful as certain gpus like i have an rtx 2080 and sometimes amd GPUs that are not as powerful as, as, as the RTX 2080 perform perform better in benchmarks right for for certain games and it's just about how that game is able to use the amd gpu versus the nvidia gpu right so i feel like it's also very important to look at things like that but again like like i said like this is purely based on what he what he had said uh, it you know it, it could have it, like it has to be looked looked upon in the way that you know it's possible that they have an exclusive deal With Sony, we don't know. So for that reason, let's just take this for what it is and hopefully in the next couple of months or so, we'll hopefully get a release date in terms of when it's coming out and we'll finally start seeing some games. And then once Digital Foundry has their hands on all of this stuff, we'll we'll get a proper answer as to which will be a a better console overall to develop for. Because I think even even if it's, you know, in terms of the power and everything like that, the power and everything is fine and it's great. But like, at the end of the day, it is about the games, right? As long as I'm getting great games, as long as I'm getting great exclusives, that's kind of all that matters. So moving on, moving on from that, ESRB reassures on the possibility of a shutdown and game delays. This comes from Joe Scrabble from IGN. The U.S. Games Rating Agency, the ESRB, has played down any possibility that it will shut down during the outbreak of COVID-19, potentially delaying games, waiting to receive ratings. This follows the shutdown of Japanese rating agency Sero until, uh, until at least May 6th. Sero explained that its rating process is dependent on reviewers visiting the office and thus cannot continue operations until a countrywide lockdown is lifted. With console games requiring a Sero rating to see release in Japan, it's led to worry about game delays in the country. Speaking to IGN, the ESRB has quelled fears about a, uh, about a similar situation in the US, despite moving to a work from home solution in recent weeks. Thanks to a good deal of advanced planning, since March 16, ESRB has been operating remotely due to COVID-19 outbreak," explained an ESRB spokesperson. We have seen no delay in assigning ratings. We will continue to assign ratings remotely for as long as required. Peggy, the European Games Rating Agency. Have told IGN that it too is working remotely with minimal impact on fork. So even though this seems like a, a weird article I pulled up, it w- it was quite important because of the delay that we saw with Last of Us and everything like that. There was a lot more concern in terms of because of for for other games, and this will be the main topic that we will be talking about later as well. Uh, that we might start seeing delays for other games because they're just not being rated, right? If these games aren't rated, they can't go to retail stores. They can't be shipped to you. They have to be rated uh, and then there will be fully like authorized to be shipped and be sold in a way you know. So I think that's for that reason a lot of people were, were worried because it, it is you know it is a, it is a thing that I, I remember I was having a conversation about this with everything that's happened with COVID-19 and how it has disrupted Sony markets you know a lot of people believe that oh yeah but like the manufacturing plants all that stuff everything is back up and running uh, you know this plant is working on this hardware this plant is working on this hardware they're all back and up and running but you know i was going to have to bring it, bring up that okay that manufacturing manufacturing plant is is making that product but there's so many other parts what about the plastic that covers that wraps that product what about the boxes what about going from that truck that takes that box all those uh shipments shipments to the the maybe the shipping yard who the, what about the people that work in the shipping yard and the shipping docks who put it into containers What about the people who take the containers and put it into the onto the ships who then you know ship it out to different countries you know, like, it's just small, small things like that, that a lot of people don't consider that, you know, it's, it's very easy to say that, oh yeah, like even for the PS5 and, and the Xbox Series X, oh yeah, the, uh, the, uh, you know, all the manufacturing plants and everything are back up and running, but it's like, okay, no, those plants are up and running, so they'll have, maybe they'll have the console ready, maybe they'll have like 10, 15, 20 million, that's obviously way too much, but I'm just, I'm just spitballing, don't they have like 20 million consoles ready? But how will they get to us? You know, if all these other things are disrupted. It it just doesn't come to you magically. It's not we're not in Star Trek, you know. We can't just face someone and or something, you know. And it just it just kind of pop to you or whatever. So I think that's also one thing that has to be considered. And for that reason, I wanted to bring up this ESRB, um, ESRB thing, uh, this article because it was a, a a big concern considering that in in Japan, zero has closed down for for a little bit, and in their case, they can't work from home because in their for their the way they certify, they need to be in the office. So for that reason, I can totally see a lot of delays happening. In, in Japan because of this, so you know like I, that's kind of why I wanted to bring this up. Hopefully, you know we won't see so many delays, but again, we'll will we'll, I'll wait to talk more about that uh, in the in the later in the later parts of the show. So from now, I'm gonna I'm gonna move on to what I have been playing. Um, for anyone that's been following me on my on my stream, I have been playing Bioshock. Uh, I'm really liking it. The gameplay is taking me a while to get used to. I think mainly because it is an older game. I have. You know, played so many different first-person shooting games. After that, so and even even Bioshock Infinite, uh, you know, was was so much more, so much more refined and stuff in general. But it's great. i I mean, the story is really cool. The environmental storytelling is very impressive. I I did not I did not think that a game you know that was this old would be able to pull something like that off because at least I, I you know like I said like I barely played this game. I remember just trying it here and there, but I just wasn't able to get into it. But I think now that my my taste in games have also been more refined, I guess, or at least I start paying attention to to things like environmental storytelling, thanks to from software games. You know, when I when I was playing that playing Bioshock, I'm like, damn, like they they put so much like work and effort into this, you know. And I, I do hope that like you know these artists and everything they got a lot of they should definitely get a lot of credit for this. But like I'm I'm enjoying it. I'm having a good time. I'm, uh, it's not it's not a very long game. It seems, so I should be done with the with the game within the next couple of days or so on my on my stream. So please check me out at Amandaman Man on Twitch and Mixer and I'll be I'll be playing this game. Um, the other game is of course Animal Crossing. I mean I have a bunch of turnips right right now ready to be sold. I'm waiting for the price to go up. I know a lot of people have been getting six hundred or five hundred turnip prices. I do not know how. But Animal Crossing as I said before, as I said in my other podcast fresh off the screen, um I, I'm just still in love with that game. It's really fun to play. It has so many things going for it, it just, it just keeps evolving. I can always count on being able to play Animal Crossing for a bit and just put it down and be like, all right, I'm done for the day. And I just love that about this game. It doesn't require too much of my attention. It doesn't, uh, you know, it doesn't require me to use too much of my brain either. I can just kind of zone out when I play this game. And for that reason, it's, it's honestly one of the best games. And right now it's the best game of this year for me, at least, you know. Um, the next one I, I finally finished, Horizon Zero Dawn. This was a game that I bought day one, but I didn't, I bought it in 2017. I even bought the expansion and I didn't finish the main story until yesterday. Like literally yesterday night, actually. And yeah, I mean, it, it was it was good. Like the story was interesting and I'm, um, you know, I feel like not enough credit is being given to how original the story was and how original the whole world and the idea and the concept was. The gameplay was the main issue that I had with. When you're fighting... When you're fighting uh, the Robo Dinos, basically it's uh, that uh, that gameplay is is a bit more fun, uh, because you know when you hit these uh, hit these like machines, you kind of feel the weight of it. You know things will pop off, stuff like that. But when there's unfortunately there's a lot of sections in this game that relies you to or like that wants you to fight human enemies, and like whenever I have to do human enemies, it just feel I don't know the gameplay just doesn't feel right. It just it it almost feels like. Division 1 or, because Division 2 at least, I feel like there's a bit more weight. But it's like Division 1 or, you know, like just like a sponge type of uh, an enemy where it's just numbers flying off or, or whatever, or their bar just keeps going down and they're just standing still. Like I'm shooting people in the head and I have like, I've like everything maxed out in terms of, you know, I, I bought like the, like the shadow hunter bow and everything like that. So like sometimes you'll be able to get uh, headshots, but other times, you know, it'll, it'll, they'll be standing still and they're just kind of like their health will go down, but they're like barely like kind of react to it you know it'll be like a very small reaction and I just didn't like that I don't know why just maybe because I I, I played Sekiro and I've also been playing Dark Souls 3 again you know the the DLC I started playing Dark Souls 3 so maybe because of that like the the weight wasn't there and it just didn't feel good but like I think that was the only thing there were definitely some times where you know there's these machines these robot dinos that will just kind of pounce you and they just keep pouncing you it almost felt like it was a glitch where they keep pouncing you so I'm like like, you know, like, I'm like, okay, I can't move. I'm like, I'm like trying to move out of it, but I just can't move because they just keep pouncing as soon as you get up. And I'm like, this is like, th- sometimes that stuff would deter me or sometimes that, that thing would push me like, you know, away from the game. I'm like, ah, like I'll, just, I'll play something else first and then come back. But overall, I, you know, I, I enjoyed the game. I, I finished the main story. I am, I did a bunch of side quests and everything like that. I was definitely way over leveled. I think I played this like how I normally play RPG games. So I was way over leveled for um a lot of the main story stuff and you know which is not bad which is something that i, I guess like most people want to do but like a lot of sections where i do have to like fight these big machines or or almost like boss fight kind of things you know they they happen way it felt like they happened way too quickly it was like it was like literally a few seconds and stuff right so it, i don't know it just it, it, it like i think I, I i think i'm also judging this game unfairly being big because i just came from sakura as well right i think that's also one thing to remember but like Overall, it was a fun game. It's a really good story, you know, I think it's it's like so cheap now as well I don't I don't see why anyone would not want to try this game out I'm more excited to see how they evolve from this what they what they take from this game um, And you know, I don't know if this is an unpopular opinion or not But I, th- I can totally see why this game didn't win as many Game of the Year awards that year and, and Zelda did Because I played Breath of the Wild and I couldn't stop playing Breath of the Wild uh, And Breath of the Wild like had, had weight like, you know, when you would fight like it had way the the gameplay was really fun, and like like I said not 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 that like the gameplay in in this isn't fun because I'm still playing the expansion I'm playing the Frozen Wild expansion I'm kind of making my way through it and I'm enjoying that as well you know like anytime I have like a machine battle I'm I'm always like I'm I just gonna jump in I do like that I can go past a lot of these machines sometimes because it just, it does feel weird uh you know I, I think as you learn more about the story it does feel weird that you know you're just gonna anytime you. Go, you're going in any direction. There, there's just all these machines, and like they automatically get so hostile towards you that you just kind of start attacking them. So I'm just like, okay, but like I just want to, I just want to get to my mission, you know? I just want to get to my mission. And one thing that they don't explain is how the fast travel system works, right? The fast travel system you need to actually build something to fast travel, or you actually need to like again, there's something that I didn't know until I researched it. I looked it up. You need to buy this specific item from uh, a, a few, uh, I think the one that I got it from was a merchant in Meridian that allows you, that gives you unlimited fast travel. So I feel like, you know, something like that should have been more like, you know, uh, should have popped up somewhere in the game that, hey, maybe you want to fast travel here, check this out and whatnot. But, you know, uh, other than like, that was, I think the main, main issue I had was getting, when I was going from one place to another, I was like, everything is just hostile. I'm like, why can't, I just go and because I, I thought the whole idea with these robo diamonds were they were like animals. Like they would see me and they would run away. You know, like animals. Like, like if you, if, 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 um, I think a majority of the time, if you see like a tiger or like a leopard or anything like that, or even animals like in like in a, in a national park, they don't just charge at you. A lot of times they will run away. You know, so I, that's why I was like so confused. I'm like, the whole point was this for, for it to be like a realistic kind of like national park, like jungle kind of setting or whatever with, with the wilderness. But every time, it's like any anything that even looks like a like the machine that looks like a deer will just start, start charging at you, and I'm like, why is it attacking me? I'm like, just let me get to my mission, please. I don't wanna, I don't wanna kill you, and I, I was barely killing these uh these machines, and I was still over leveled. So you can imagine that if I was just mowing down everyone, like I would be way over leveled as well. So so I, that was like the only thing. But yeah, overall, I think it's a great game. Um, I. Uh, from obviously the way I'm describing it you can tell i i didn't enjoy it as much I think as other people did I know a lot of people gave it like nine and stuff like that for me it was definitely more towards the eights, and like I think that's still that's still a good score it's not like a bad score and it's not like a bad thing at all and for anyone that hasn't played I it's not like i would I, I wouldn't say that oh don't play this game it's a bad game because the the love and uh the you know the the fan Fair or whatever around this game, the amount of people that support this game and love this game dearly. There's like there's a big group of it, right? There's a lot of people that really really love Horizon and they love Aloy. They love those cast of characters and they can't wait for Horizon Zero Dawn two. For me, I'm more excited about Horizon Zero Dawn two in terms of what they can do technically and what they can if how they can improve the gameplay. Um, and the story as well. The story was definitely the winning part for me. Like that that was what kept me going. Uh, The story was so interesting. Um, I I've added one point after which I just couldn't put my controller down. I just kept playing. So, you know, like I think uh, putting the gameplay against humans aside uh, and this weird, like weird issue that I had here and there. Like, trust me, the story will, will suck you in. It. It's a really, really good story. So I'm, I'm excited for what Horizon Zero Dawn to bring. And moving on from this, we will move on to the unputdownable topic of this week. And that is, are we going to see more triple A game delays. And this is coming because of what we just saw with Last of Us Part 2 and with Iron Man VR. And uh, I apologize for the clicking because I will be just bringing up the list of games that are slated to be released this year. So in April, obviously I'm gonna I'm just gonna kind of move away from April. In May, I know we had Last of Us Part 2, and now that's kind of gone. The only other big game in May that I see is the Wonderful 101 remastered. Um, I think New World, which is the Amazon Game Studios uh, game that's coming out, I, I think that game's mainly digital, so I think it should be fine. But other than that, I remember Fast and Furious was also coming out, and I think because the movie isn't coming out anymore, I think they're also going to delay that. In June, we have Ghost of Tsushima, and this is kind of why I was talking about before. This I'm, I'm at this point, 100% certain that June 1st, or end of May, we're going to get a message from PlayStation Blog saying that, yep, Ghost of Tsushima has been delayed and it's gonna be the same thing, it's been indefinitely delayed as well. And I don't see why they haven't done that already. We're already going, they're obviously going, you know, day by day in terms of what's happening in the world, and that's also understandable. But if if they're, if they are, a game was coming out in May, like last was part two, if that has been delayed indefinitely, and Ghost Tsushima is coming out literally a month, or if not less than a month later, like you're telling me that Ghost Tsushima is safe but not Last of Us Part Two. that makes no sense. Unless Last of Us Part Two was not fully finished in terms of development, which we know it was. Like, you know, I think Naughty Dog came out themselves saying that the game is basically finished. It's more like a, of a logistic issue. So, you know, Ghost of Tsushima, most likely will get delayed. In July, we have, I think, Catherine Full Body is coming out Nintendo Switch. In August, w- Wasteland 3 is coming out. September is a big month, Cyberpunk and Marvel's Avengers. Both of the, those games are in danger. I know Cyberpunk, Seed uh, Project Red, has come out and said that no, they're they're still on track. But I, at this point, I don't really, I don't really believe that either. It's very very possible that it, it is going to be moved as well. Uh, and I think those are the, all the games that have release dates uh, so far. So I just want to kind of talk about this mainly because first one thing I want to talk about was you know the reasoning behind the Last of Us Part Two being delayed just because of a of, of thought that I had. Um, and I don't know if this is the same thing in, in other parts, maybe in parts of Europe and South America and stuff like that as well, but in Southeast Asia, I remember a lot of the games that I would I would get, sorry, I just like tapped my keyboard there by mistake, but like a lot of these games that I would um, I would get there, they would actually come a lot later, or a lot, much past the release date that you would see in US, in North America, in UK, stuff like that, and it was like a, it was like a norm like so many times there were, a game would come out and maybe six seven months later, I would see it in, in, in the stores in where I lived in Asia. You know, so I I like I like kind of almost accepted that and I was okay with that, right? And because I just wanted to like bring up this, this explanation that I keep seeing about, oh, if, if they release it digitally, you leave out so many people who rely on the game physically, right? And I remember pulling this up and please correct me if I'm wrong. I, I think it was from Statistica or some report uh, that in 2018, nearly 80% of people were buying games digitally, or it was 70%, something like that. It was a very, very high high percentage. And um, even in 2019, I think there was like another report that uh, 53% of Sony's, Sony's games were bought digitally, right? And again, like I could be wrong. Uh, I'll obviously like double check this or like fact check this next time as well. But it's not to say that like, you know, like it's fully towards the 80 or 90, percent like, you know, past that. But, like, a majority of, of those games are being bought digitally nowadays. So, like, for me, I was like, okay, so most of the games are being bought digitally. You know, if, if it is being delayed, is it not... Why, why couldn't we go down that route that, okay, hey, we'll release the game digitally. You know, we, like, we apologize, you know, if you have any bandwidth issues. And it's, it's not like, you know, everyone has unlimited bandwidth. Everyone has issues, right? You just find ways to work around it, which is what most people do. But it's like, okay, like, you know, you might have bandwidth issues to download the game and whatnot, but it's kind of like, okay, we can release the game digitally and whatever the issue is, but, you know, fine. But like, we want you to, we want you to experience this game. We want you to play this game. Uh, we know that a lot of people were looking forward to this game and we don't want the game. Once we can get it into your hands, like physically, we will do that. And that's going to, I still don't see why they can't go that go down that route because mainly, mainly because of the, the statistics I just brought up mainly because of the fact that a majority of those games are being bought digitally. And it, it, it's, it's not to say that, you know, physical game releases don't bring the money or, or anything like that. I think it's more of a commitment that Sony might have made with retail stores, with with GameStops and the EV games and the Best Buys and the Walmarts to basically distribute this game. And it's probably to make sure or to maintain that relationship, which is why this is happening. Because I don't know, I... 'Cause I keep thinking about it, I'm like, why couldn't they just release it digitally, explain it to people that we're gonna release it digitally and we will release it physically, right? Rather than just being like, we just wanna make sure to get it into the hands of everyone at the same time. And like I look at it as but no, that wasn't happening either way, like at least for me, right? I, I think maybe maybe because of my perspective, because of my background, I, I'm looking at it this way because I'm like, man, I, I, I went through this like normally and I just kinda I just accepted it, right? And please let me know if this was in other parts of, of Southeast Asia, other parts of Asia, and maybe South America and Australia, stuff like that. I don't know how it was in other parts, but like, that's kind of what I went through. And I just accepted, I'm like, okay, that's fine. Like, it wasn't like, I'm gonna message Sony, I'm gonna message Microsoft, and like, no, how, like, how can you do this? You know, I, just, I was like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll just wait, like, I have no choice. And in this case, I'm like, if people are moving towards, di- towards more of a digital storefront, at the same time, you want people to convert to, digital buying. Right. Because Sony will if you're buying games from Sony's platform, Sony will make more money. So I'm like, you want them to come to your platform. You want them to move to it. But you're not telling them that, hey, why don't like, you know, why don't we just make this digital so that everyone can so that people will have no choice but to buy this game on our platform. And in the end, we will make money. Like for any PC gamer, PC gamers are buying digital games all the time. There's so many PC gamers out there. This is a norm. Most games on Nintendo Switch are bought digitally as well. Like this is a norm in so many cases. So I don't know. I think there's definitely something else to it. Uh, The more I thought about it, the more I was like, it could be possible that Naughty Dog did indeed actually need some extra time. And, uh, you know, they didn't want to fully disclose it because of how many delays the game has already seen. So they just kind of use this as a reasoning, as as a way to say, hey, we have to delay because of this. It's not, the game is basically done, but it's because of this, we have to delay it. And they just delayed it indefinitely, right? So it's not even saying, look, we're just gonna leave it on PlayStation Store. We're just gonna be, we're gonna put it on TBA. They're like, no, we're gonna take it off of the storefront, right? Like like that that tells you a lot, right? Like that's gonna, what like is worrisome. And I think what they're doing now is because of this delay, because they haven't even said Ghost of Tsushima, um, I think it's very possible that they do want to hold it off until PS5. Um, and similar for Iron Man VR, I, Iron Man VR. So, you know, I, I don't think anyone should in any way think that Iron Man VR was, was ready, up and ready. Iron Man VR, we had not seen anything of Iron Man VR for a very long time. They had delayed it from, I think it was Feb to, Mar- or to May or maybe March. I forgot. Yeah, was it March? No, it was March to May. Sorry. I think it was something like that. And then, you know, I, I can totally see them because of this working from home, maybe having some more issues to get everything down the line. Then they're like, you know what? We're going to delay this as well. So I think that's, I think that's what is, from, from what I'm thinking, uh, from, you know, me kind of putting all these pieces together, that's what I believe. I think it is very possible that it could be, A, for both those games, an issue of development that is actually not fully developed, even though that's what they're saying. Uh, there might have been some issues. Uh, it could be, B, that Sony just decided that, you know what, like, because we're not gonna, we're gonna because there's development issues, we could put this game out and uh, you know, Naughty Dog and Iron Man VR, uh are, I think it's camouflage. That developer can put out patches and fix the game and it'll be fine. Or let's just hold this game for a little bit, right? This could be a perfect reason to hold this game and let them work on this. You know, see, they can say that, you know what? We're just gonna release it with PS5. They're like, we need, we need there's other games for PS5 that they maybe had in development and maybe they're not ready anymore. So they're like, hey, you know what? Let's just bring these games over to the PS5 side and those other games, let them work on those games and let them come out in February, March or April next year, rather than launch games, right? And then the D is like the other one that I was talking about was that it's very possible that Sony has some deals going on with the retail stores that basically does not, you know, it it's like some guarantee. It's maybe Walmart or Best Buy or GameStop or any of these places pushing back to, or even Amazon, you know, pushing back to Sony and saying, no, 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 hey, you can't, if you release it digitally and most of your of the game, fans of the games buy digitally, we're not going to see any sales. We we need to see this these many sales because this is a this is a deal we have. You know, this is a deal we have with you about these many orders for your future games for Ghost of Tsushima for your PlayStation Five, which will be on our storefront. You know, especially for consoles, like you, a lot of people will go to the stores. right? go to Best Buy and stuff like that to like check it out and stuff. So I think that's probably one of the reasons that. Sony can push it, I think that's, D is more likely, I think, in this scenario, I just wanted to kind of bring up the other ones just to kind of like, you know, theorize, but D is what I think is very possible, and at this point of time, in no way should we expect Ghost Tsushima or any any game that has a date to be coming out at that date, you know, like just working from home is not as simple as many people might think is not as easy as many people might think. And you know, in term in, in in a industry where there's so many moving parts, especially with game game development, you know, I can totally understand that things are just not connecting. Things are not going together. So I think we do need to, you know, obviously give them time. I kind of talked about about this with, with a friend of mine saying that, you know, we already have we already have I have a huge backlog already and I have so many games like Final Fantasy 7 and Doom Eternal that I'm gonna check out at some point, and Half-Life Alex that I'm gonna check out at some point, and Resident Evil 3, and Animal Crossing of course. You know, I have so many games already that I'm making my way through that I'm like, yo, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with no game. Like this actually gives me more time to work on my backlog. And th- you know, that's completely okay. So I think that's kind of the mindset we need to go in with is that, hey, a lot of these games will be delayed. So don't hold off or anything into, you know, to buying these games. And I, I another thing I also kind of wanted to bring up was you know we unfortunately what we're seeing with with, with COVID 19 and what is what it's doing to the economy in general, a lot of people are losing their jobs. This also means their purchasing power is going down. So this obviously impacts their ability to purchase commodity or like you know these, these kind of products that are luxury products right They're not no one needs to play video games, right People need food, people need you know but things like toilet paper, people need other stuff you know, like to sustain a living. So, I, I, you know, like when everything starts to ramp up and become better, I think the gaming industry needs to also understand that they can't just come out and say, here, buy a $60 video game and we're going to sell millions and millions of these copies. It's like, no, I'm sorry, but like uh, the, uh, the number of people that have uh, pushed for, uh, or I, I don't know what it was called, but like um, w- applied for the unemployment payment plan or whatever for, in U.S., it like went over like six million or something in like a, just a, a small amount of time. I know that in Canada it was also like a million or so. Uh, I think within a day or a week. I'm not sure what like obviously my my numbers are all off, right? But like it was a very very large amount. So there's a lot of people that cannot purchase these uh, games, you know, when they do come out, and especially when they if they come out in fall alongside with a new console coming out. So I think that's something that the gaming industry needs to be aware of. They can't just push one product from one month to the next, because a lot of people will not be able to afford this, you know, depending on the industry and where they work. I think instead they do need to understand that they might have to fully push this if they want to see a lot of revenue or they just need to obviously, you know, uh, reduce their projections for the revenue. I think they can obviously do that as well. But, you know, I think that might be, it might be important to like also look at it that way, that a lot of these things will be, will be delayed. I don't know if Cyberpunk might be the last big game of this year. I don't know if it will actually truly come out, and I don't know if now that we have Final Fantasy VII remake, um, and the other big games are more like remasters and and stuff like that here and there, and Gears Tactics also comes out this month, end of uh, end of April. I don't know after that if we're honestly going to see any big games for for a very long time, which is unfortunate, right? But this is just how it is, and you, you know at the at the end of the day, this is we're just playing video games, we're having a good time, and there's so many other video games as well so there's nothing for us to feel bad about because there's so many other amazing games that we can play at the same time so i hope that i hope that the gaming industry uh you know kind of understand the figures out how to deal with this and how to adapt to this and i hope that everyone out there you know who is listening to this podcast everyone is doing well everyone's doing okay you know i understand everyone's going through a hard time with this especially with this economy and everything that's happening so i hope everyone taking care of the loved ones staying indoors you know washing your hands and everything like that and you know it's 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 good it's good to relax sometimes and play video games. You know I I have been a victim of this where I have felt that I, I it's like almost like this weird pandemic stress. Sometimes there's times where you know not not just being indoors right. I, I understand like that also causes uh causes issues and stuff right psychologically. But you know this this idea just everything that's happening um what it means for jobs what it means for for you and for your life and everything like that. I Know that's like causes a lot of stress, and games uh, is, is a very good way to relax yourself, right? So, I do understand that you know, video games that way is an avenue, is a way for you to kind of get out of all this. So, there, but I, I will again, like I've already recommended games like Sekiro, even Dark Souls, um, uh, you know, I've been talking about Bioshock, Animal Crossing, you know, Doom Eternal, Final Fantasy 7, uh, even Horizon Zero Dawn. Like, there's so many games that if you haven't played, you can definitely check out and there's so many cool games and if any of you ever want to talk, any like, want to just talk to me about any, everything that's happening, want to talk to me about video games and stuff, like please message me, you know, and with that, we will we will end this show so you can message me or talk to me, you can email me at amandamangames at gmail.com, that's amandamangames at gmail.com, um, you can also message me on, on Instagram at amandamangames, all my links and everything will be in my description so my Twitter, and my Instagram, so just message me, and we can talk and everything like that. And I hope everyone's doing good. Hope everyone's doing well. Please let me know what you're playing. What you're playing to cope with stress, to cope with everything that's happening. What have you been enjoying? And tell me something new, something that you've learned about yourself. You know, throughout this, throughout all of this, what what have you learned about yourself in terms of your gaming, in terms of you, just yourself in general? You know, I would love to know that. Please tell me, email me, and let me know. And I hope to see you next week at the same time with another one of these episodes. Thank you so much, everyone. Bye.